Good morning. Hey, with the power of technology, my watch has just come up with a message from someone here who says, I am able to cover a semester. Hey, how's that? Well, the power of technology, I'm never quite sure about what comes up on my watch. But... Anyway. Hey, I noticed a little bit of reticence on the part of some people when Troy mentioned that Christmas was coming. Um, it's uh, 35 sleeps, kids. Not that long. And uh, I, I was surprised during the week. I, I went into Myers, and uh, their slogan for this year is, the season is the reason. And I'm thinking, what does that mean? And uh, it just, uh, just showed me how easily we can lose sight of Jesus in the season. Um, but as we come to this Christmas season, we want to revisit our, our theme for this year, 2022, which has been Breathe. Um, but we want to look at breathe in the light of the Christmas story. And uh, if you haven't been uh, at New Community, if you're just visiting with us today or this is new to you, this idea of breathe was that as we came out of the pandemic, we sort of thought, hey, we need a, a year to sort of almost regroup and take some deep breaths. And we had this idea of breathing in and asking ourselves, um, God, where, where are we? Where are we in the scheme of things? And then pausing and say, God, where are you? Uh, and then finally breathing out and say, God, what do you want me to do? Or, or what do you want to say to me? Or how can I partner with you in what you're doing? So it's been a, uh, a year of just reflecting on that from time to time. And it's been, it's been helpful. When I was uh, growing up, and I seem to feel like I have to educate my grandchildren on this all the time. Um, when I was growing up, there was, only, there was a VFL. And it's not like the VFL today. It was a VFL that was Victorian and it had 12 teams. And all of those teams, young folks, all of them played at the same time on Saturday afternoon. So you could go to the game and at about, I think it started about 2.15, 2.10, and you could watch that game. But five other games would be going on somewhere else. And at half time, the scores would come up every quarter. Every, the scores would come up and you'd see what was happening at all the other grounds. And by five o'clock on a Saturday, it was all over. And uh, I used to go quite often. I loved it at the MCG. And if you went early, probably just before 12, it was the start of what they called the curtain raiser. It was the reserves. And they were like, like the VFL is today, but they were the reserves in the VFL. So Melbourne had a reserves team. And they were not so good, but it was, it was worth a watch. Um, and it was really... Nothing like the main game, but it was a good lead-up to the main game. And it built anticipation for the main game. But once you'd experienced the main game, the curtain raiser seemed to fade into the background. It wasn't quite, quite what you would have expected uh, in terms of the quality. Well, that's just a little introduction to what I want to say today, because today I want to share with you two stories. And uh, the first story is like the curtain raiser for the second. Um, and they're stories that uh, are really significant for any of us who've ever been tempted to ask the God, where are you question with a little bit of uh, scepticism, um, thinking that maybe God has forgotten you or God has abandoned you or God has removed himself from you um, or doesn't care about you or is unmoved by your circumstances or doesn't seem likely to show up. And so these stories are just a, a wonderful um, introduction to that. And the first story is the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth. And it's in Luke chapter 1 and verses 5 to 23. But we're not going to read it today. I'm just going to try and tell it to you reasonably quickly. Now, Zechariah and Elizabeth 
were righteous in God's eyes. They were careful to obey all of the Lord's commandments and regulations and they had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive and they were both very old. This is in the time of King Herod. And King Herod was the exact opposite of Zechariah and Elizabeth. These guys were devout. King Herod was a, a tyrant. Um, if you read about King Herod the Great, uh, not, a, not a nice character. But these people lived under Roman occupation uh, with Herod the Great as their main man. But uh, Zechariah was a priest. And I love this story because it shows uh, God's action on behalf of this couple, almost like a precursor to a curtain raiser, if you like, to God's action uh, on behalf of the whole world. And so um, that's the focus of the second story, God's action on behalf of the whole world. We'll get to that in a little while. But I love that because it reminds me that God, who is responsible for the big stuff, is also mindful of my small stuff, all the things that, that trouble my heart and that occupy my prayers. Uh, that's our God. It's hard to imagine in this story what Elizabeth had to bear. Um, childlessness, childlessness in her day was a, a profound disgrace and it even aroused in people the idea that Zachariah and Elizabeth must have done something wrong, uh, something that didn't please God, uh, because in their culture, children were, were seen, and especially sons, were seen as a blessing and a sign of the favour of God uh, on your family. Uh, but even though they were shamed uh, in the world's eyes, Luke stresses that they were righteous in God's eyes, and they lived blamelessly according to the commandments and regulations of God. And so this is this couple who are devout, um, and their lives are like a perpetual paradox because they'd done all that was commanded by God uh, and still God hadn't blessed them in the way that any faithful Jew expected to be blessed with a family and with sons. And I wonder if you sit here this morning and maybe you're a follower of Jesus, I wonder how you respond uh, when God seems to be uh, silent and even inactive in your life in spite of your prayers and in spite of your commitment. And I wonder whether you ever ask yourself, is it all worth it, um, this living for Jesus? It seems like, like hard work and there's not too much reward. And you ask yourself sometimes, why do I bother striving to live my life as if there's something bigger than me, something bigger than here, something bigger than now? What am I living for? What's the point of pursuing the things that a follower of Jesus pursues, like integrity and faithfulness and forgiveness and looking out for others why not give it all up and walk away there are times I think when many of us have those, those feelings of is it all worth it and, I, and yet when we read about Zachariah and Elizabeth that wasn't their experience at all they were both righteous in God's eyes careful to obey all the Lord's commandments and regulations they may have given up on having a child but they weren't giving up on God uh, and they were waiting for God to fulfil his promise, uh, a promise that had been made 1,800 or so years before to Abraham. And it was a promise that went like this, I'll make you a great nation, God had said to Abraham, I'll bless you, I'll make you famous, you'll be a blessing to others, and all the families on the earth will be blessed through you. And Zechariah and Elizabeth would have known about that promise, and they were living in the light of that promise, and yet they were living in a, in a time since the glory days of, say, Solomon and the temple, when many people in Israel had walked away uh, from worshipping in the temple um, and the nation had been through captivity and exile and it was under foreign rule and God seemed silent. Actually, no prophet had actually spoken on behalf of God for hundreds of years. And so this question, God, where are you, 
was probably very real in their minds. It would have been easy for them to say, let's give it up, let's walk away. God's, God's left us. But that wasn't Zechariah and Elizabeth. They continued to walk blamelessly before God. And then one day, God's silence is broken in a stunning way. Zechariah's division, he's a priest and he's on duty in the temple and he's serving God. He has this opportunity, it's selected by casting lots in the temple, to actually go and burn incense. A very, very great privilege and one that he probably only uh, received once a year. And uh, he's honoured to have been chosen. And he's going in to offer thanksgiving and prayers for peace and for liberation on behalf of all the people. And uh, as he does that, an angel of the Lord appears to him and he's gripped with fear. Um, And the angel says to him, don't be afraid. God has heard your prayer. And so we could ask ourselves, which prayer? Is it the prayer that he's just prayed as he's... uh, in the uh, temple, praying for the peace and, and <coughs> rescue of the nation? Uh, or is it the prayer he's been praying with his wife for many years that they would have a child? Many people think they probably were past that thought of, of praying anymore because they were old. Um, whatever the prayer, actually both of those prayers are, uh, are answered in this what's to, to occur. Your wife Elizabeth will give you a son. You're going to name him John. He's going to be great in God's eyes. He'll be filled with the Holy Spirit. He'll turn many Israelites back to God. He'll be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah. If you read the very last couple of verses in the Old Testament, in the book of Malachi, you'll see that this promise of an Elijah, or Elijah will come again uh, as a sign and a a precursor, as a forerunner to the the coming of Messiah, the one who was going to deliver. And so this promise of Elijah... Is, is fulfilled in the coming of John the Baptist. He was a man with the spirit and power of Elijah and will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. So we're talking here about the birth of John the Baptist, the one who's going to be the forerunner of the coming Messiah, the one who comes and prepares the way for Jesus, the one who's like the curtain raiser, if you like, for Jesus. And yet in the midst of all this, doubt floods into Zechariah's mind and he says to the angel, how can I be sure this will happen? I'm an old, old man now and my wife is also well along in years. I've tried to conjecture in my mind how old they might have been, but I didn't come up with a really good answer. Um, but the angel then says to Gabriel, well, just go back to that. It's almost like he's saying, I, I, I need a bit of a sign. Uh, how can I be sure? How can I really know? Uh, God, could you actually show me? And uh, the angel says... I'm Gabriel, I stand in the very presence of God and it was he who sent me to bring you this good news. So he's actually getting, the angel's giving a message directly from God. But now since you didn't believe what I said, you'll be silent and unable to speak until the child is born for my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. And so it's as if he's been asking for proof, uh, for assurance, for a sign and the sign comes and the sign is you're going to be silent. And uh, he's going to be silent for at least nine months, isn't he? Uh, Until the child is born. Now, maybe that was a good thing for Elizabeth. I'm not sure. Um, But it must have been incredibly uh, difficult for uh, Zechariah. But God's words were going to be fulfilled at the proper time. And what happens? Elizabeth becomes pregnant. Uh, Zechariah can't speak for nine months. And that's, that's one long silent retreat, isn't it? Nine months. People do 40 days retreats, I've heard of, but not 40 weeks. And John the Baptist ultimately is going to be born, the forerunner who's going to prepare 
the way for Jesus. But this story forces us again to ask that brief question, doesn't it? Where are you, God? Why was God silent for so long with the answer to their prayer? Why did they have to face years of shame and disgrace? Why do bad things happen to good people? That's the, the age-old question. They're the questions that were faced by Zachariah and Elizabeth. They're, they're our questions too, aren't they? And Luke doesn't answer them except to say that they'd stayed faithful. They didn't walk away from God. And they discovered afresh that God doesn't operate by our rules or our timing, but he does hear our prayer. And he's not forgotten us. Holding on to God through those times is not easy. But that's what they did. So that was the curtain raiser. And now we come to story number two. And this is the prediction of Jesus' birth. Now, I did a really interesting exercise during the week, and my wife said it was very like an engineer would do. And uh, so I'm not going to present it to you, but I have it on a sheet of paper. And if anybody would like one after, just come and see me, because it's really good. But if you, if you look at these two stories, the similarity between these two stories is remarkable. And uh, I've summarised on this bit of paper. So that's just for those who are really interested. Come and see me afterwards. Story two, when you read it, as I said, flows very much like story one, but with some major differences. The angel Gabriel appears again, but this time it's not at the very heart of the nation's place of worship. It's not at the temple in Jerusalem, but it's in this small, somewhat despised um, village town of Nazareth. And the recipient of the angel's message isn't a faithful priest, but it's um, a young peasant girl. Mary, probably in her mid-teens, um, who's betrothed to be married. And the angel's message is similar, uh, but different. And it was a message that changed the course of Mary's life, and it was a message that changed the course of the history of the world. And the angel's message to Mary was this. You have found favour with God. You will give birth to a son. You are to name him Jesus. He will be great called Son of the Most High. God will give him David's throne. His kingdom will never end. This one to be born is going to be the true ruler of the world. He leaves Caesar, Biden, Putin way, way behind. He's going to be the true ruler of the world whose kingdom will never end. And Mary asks, how can this be? And the angel says, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. There's no doubt that Mary remains a virgin and yet the Holy Spirit comes on her. The power of the Most High overshadows her and she gives birth to a child. The Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. The Holy Spirit enabled Mary to do and be way more than she could be on her own as the Holy Spirit came on her and the power of the Most High overshadowed her. And you know, Mary's response to all of this is quite amazing. It's almost matter of fact. While Zechariah the priest doubted and, and disputed with the angel and wanted a sign, wanted to know how he could be sure, Mary, this peasant girl, simply listened and believed and her response is simple and beautiful. I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. She willingly cooperates with God's plan for her in spite of, of the obvious trouble that her untimely pregnancy uh, would cause with her family, her village, and even more so with her fiancé, Joseph. 
She's just an ordinary person through whom God chooses to do an extraordinary thing, to carry in the womb Jesus, the Son of God, the Holy One. She's been caught up in the drama of the fulfilment of God's promise to Abraham that he would rescue his people and through them that he'd rescue the whole world, including you and me. Jesus later said, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. What a story. What a remarkable story. God, through Mary brought a son into the world, born in human flesh. We're going to explore that in later weeks, so I'm not to go there. But uh, it's a wonderful story. I hope you'll join us as we, follow, as we follow it through. But in the midst, as I close, in the midst of God working out his big purposes for the whole world through the promised Messiah, through Jesus, we're reminded through these two stories, through Zachariah and Elizabeth and through Mary, that it's in the very, very basic things of life to do with our family, our work, our health, our everyday hopes and our fears that we can hold on tight to God. It's in all those things. Faith in God is not misplaced. Hope in God is not in vain. God won't necessarily answer all our prayers or give us everything we want when we want it. But he's pleased with us when our hearts are turned towards him, when we stay the course, when we remain faithful to him. He hasn't forgotten us and he wants us to be available to do ordinary and extraordinary things for him. The band's going to come and play uh, a, f- a final beautiful song for us. But I wonder, as we think about this Christmas season, I sensed a reticence in some of you when Troy mentioned Christmas coming, and uh, I think this idea of breathe is really, really important for us. It is so easy to get uh, so cluttered uh, with stuff going on where the season becomes the reason rather than Jesus becomes the reason for the season. Maybe we need to slow down a little bit this Christmas time to breathe deeply, to recapture the wonder of the birth of Jesus and to tune our ears to what God might be wanting to say to us. I wonder whether God might be saying to you today, have you given over, your, over control of your life to me? Have you done that? I wonder if God's saying to you, will you trust me through the storms of life, through the ups and downs, through the things that are difficult? Will you trust me? Will you go all the way? Will you be faithful to me over the long haul? Maybe God's saying to you this Christmas time, will you slow down enough just to spend time with me, to get to know me? Will you slow down? Will you breathe? Maybe you need to ask God today, God, what do you want me to do? What are you wanting to say to me this Christmas season? We're going to sing a beautiful song together. And it's, uh, it's a modern day hymn, In Christ Alone. And uh, it says, In Christ alone my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. I wonder today, can you say that with confidence? Can you breathe deeply and when you ask that question, where am I? Can you say, here in the love of Christ, I stand. May God bless you this Christmas time.